Normally, I, I go for uh, classic art, if I can find it, Renaissance art, because it, it seems so timeless. Uh, today, though, I've gone with a, a, an amateur piece in my title slide there. This picture is uh, Joseph and Jesus. It's by a woman named Sheila Phelps. I captured it off of a video on Lutheran satire earlier this year in March. Uh, Lutheran satire is a, uh, a satirical website, YouTube channel, done by a Lutheran pastor, so now the name should not be so surprising. You might have seen it. He did videos of two Irish twins talking to St. Patrick about his theology and his images and they, he does a lot of things, and his, his theory, is, his, his motto is teaching the faith by making fun of certain things, you know, by, by humor. But back in March, he posted a video and a song called Joseph and Son. And this was one of the pictures throughout this song. It's an amateur work, but throughout he has images that people sent in to him of Joseph and Jesus. And the song is placed on Joseph's deathbed. And the last things that this pastor thinks, what would Joseph have been thinking about? What would he have been saying to Jesus as he says goodbye? And it's his thoughts, but it's a good song. If you have a chance, I would look it up. Lutheran satire. But that, that's a picture that was there, and I, I thought it was a good one. Since it's Father's Day, let me, let me encourage you on another song that I love, especially on Father's Day. It's a song called Color Him Father by the Winstons. If you could spend any time with either of these songs or both of them today and meditate upon the, the themes of them, it would be, I think, beneficial. Color Him Father is all about a, a son talking about the, the man that lives in his house and how this man encourages him to study, to work hard, to be kind to his mom. And on the third verse, you find out that the boy, his original dad, his real dad, died in the Vietnam War. And that his mom had seven kids and she didn't know what she was going to do. And then she saw this man with this big goofy grin. And he, he loved his mom. And so he married the guy's mom and took the boys in and took all the kids in. And so you find out at the very end, and when he's singing, I think I'll color him father. Yes, I'll color him love. He's talking about an adoptive father. It's a great song. Thinking about those two themes, Joseph was an adoptive father. And when you think about Joseph and you think about Mary, the, Mary is in the New Testament quite a bit. She's in Acts even, and she's in the Gospels. Joseph, very little. The focus is often mostly on Mary, and for good reason. She, <laughs> she bore Christ. She was his, not adoptive, but physical mother. He carries her genes. Joseph did, you might say, very little. But what he did was of immense value. I want to say he just did one thing, but it's really two things. It's one thing in two parts. Joseph took Mary as his wife. 
Joseph raised Jesus as his own. Very narrow focus. In fact, it's interesting, you know, the angel comes to him in Bethlehem as Herod is planning to attack and kill all the kids, and he says, flee, get out of here. And Joseph, he does it. Everything about him seems to be very singularly focused. Mary is pregnant. I'm a righteous man. I'll release her quietly so as not to shame her. But he's, he's got his one idea. Not going to marry her. She's already pregnant. I'm a righteous man. But when he has a dream of an angel telling him not to be afraid to take her as his wife because the child within her is of the Holy Spirit. He wakes up and he does very focused one thing. He takes her as his wife. All the shame that will come upon him because of that marriage, if it bothered him, we don't know. He had a singular focus. You can see the similar singular focus in Jesus' life, especially near the end, as it's time to go to the cross. Nothing will deter him. He is focused on the cross to go there. We're told by scientists that women, everything, we looked at this how uh, during Mother's Day, how everything is kind of connected, that the thoughts are connected, and, and, and I'm over here, but I'm also over here, and I'm thinking about this thing and how it relates to that thing. Whereas men oftentimes operate in boxes, and we have our nothing box, and we love going to the nothing box, but if I'm working in this thing, don't talk to me about that thing. Because to talk about that, I will have to leave this. Because men seem to have focus. And uh, scientists would say it comes from our you know, evolutionary theory that men were hunters and so they had to focus. Whereas women, they were together in the community and there were women all together. They would cook together or they would clean together and they would work together. And so there was always uh, gathering. But men were... They might be together, but they weren't looking and talking to each other. They were looking out there. As you go through, and, and, and you know, if you'll recall from Mother's Day, there was a lot that we had to talk about women. There, there was a lot of room in 1 Timothy and in Titus talking about women. There's, there's obviously very, I mean, look at that. 2, 1 through 2 in verse 6. In verse 1, you could even say it doesn't really count. Very little to say about men. Which I think is kind of fitting because men have very little to say, don't we? We have very few words in the day. And yet, uh, they're important words and valuable words. And so what we're going to do is, much as we looked at what value does the society get from women and what things do women do that are uniquely for that, from them, I want to look at Titus 2, 1 through 2, and then add in verse 6. To look at what is it about men that we need to be trying to do and also honoring and respecting about men. What, what value do we get out of this passage? Titus, if you'll recall, we've been in here looking at leadership. And so just as Timothy uh, was in Ephesus and Titus here is in Crete, both of them were left by Paul to, to get things in order and to appoint elders and to make sure that false teaching was taken care of. 
And so it's within that context, uh, as, and, and as he was talking in, in, verse, in chapter 1, he's talking about rebellious men and people who are focused on the wrong things. Then he says to Titus in verse 1 of chapter 2 of Titus, he says, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. And then he goes to talk about older women, which is part of what we looked at in Mother's Day. So let's skip down to verse 6, where he's talked about older men, after he talks about older women and what they should teach to the younger women. He says to them, likewise urge the young men to be sensible. Period. Very little, I mean, not really period, it's a semicolon there, but that was added. But nothing else to the young men. Urge them to be sensible. Which is one of the words used for the older men. And then he does go on saying, you know, in, in show, all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds, purity and doctrine. But we only get a very little, you know, the, the women were told, don't do this, do that, be reverent, don't do that. Men, it's very small. Speak things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. And that's all we get. And, and part of it, now that you can go to other passages, I'm, you know, there's some stuff in 1 Timothy where you can, you know, he talks about being raising hands in prayer and not being... Uh, not having wrath and, and not having dissension. So you can see that there's the, the, the ability, and even in here, there's the ability for, for men to, to enact violence, to create destruction. That's why he calls on them to be temperate, dignified, sensible. That there is a need for men to, to bring themselves in. But, but the focus is on setting an example. First, it's to Titus as a, as, a, as a leader in the church, as one who would be setting up elders to speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. To, to set a guide, a goal. And, and this is something that we, we see uh, in history and cultures around the world. Did you know that oftentimes chaos is seen as a feminine idea. Not that women have created chaos, but when we talk about chaos, and as languages have masculine and feminine terms, chaos is a feminine. But masculinity, and, or the idea of order, is masculine. I wonder if that has anything to do with the whole focus versus everybody talking and doing things. I mean, you can kind of kind of see it sometimes, although men can be chaotic and we can have a mess going on. But the idea of, of there being much movement and that we need to bring it to order. Even from the very beginning, you have in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. There was water. It was a picture of chaos. The ocean the sea. And God speaks and He creates order out of the chaos. He 
He steps into the chaos and creates order as the image. It's interesting in our culture today, we're working really hard to, to confuse these things. Just like movies easily have 90-pound women beating up 200-pound men. Uh, and that not, just, not just superheroes. I mean, any woman in a movie can beat up any man on, in a movie. It's kind of interesting how that's going these days. But recently there was a movie that came out called Chaos Walking. It was based on a series of books for young adults. Chaos Walking is about men who are on a planet where every thought... And emotion is visible. And so everywhere they go, you can see all the chaos that they create. And the the title of it even has the idea that when a man is walking about with his thoughts unfiltered, it is as chaos walking. Complete contradiction to what Scripture would tell us. What, what the, God's design for men. Remember, what did He do when He created Adam? He put him in the garden. Name things. Cultivate it. What is cultivation but ordering? Maintaining. Cultivate the garden. Name the animals. Name the trees. Take care of it. Tend to it. Bring order out of this. Keep it in order. We see that, uh, and, and there was a study, I remember reading it long, many years ago when I first got into pastoring, that if you had a, a, a couple, married couple, and they had children, and, and if both parents went to church and took their kids to church, there was the highest level of children as they grew up maintaining that practice, going to church. They weren't talking about faith, they were just talking about the practice. If you had a married couple and the wife took the kids to church, but the husband did not, he was doing something else. Less than 50% of those kids maintained after they got out of the house. If you had a father who took the kids to church and the mom did not go, if she was off doing something else, but the father took the kids to church, you had over 60%. So if, only, if both go, it was, it was high. It was in the 70s or 80s. But if, if only one went, you were better off if the husband took the kids than if the mom took the kids as far as the kids continuing in those practices. Because they learn from the fathers. I mean, think of it. A, a, a boy learns what kind of a man he wants to be. And a girl, daughter, learns what kind of a man she should find from the father. More so than... Really, we don't view this in the same way with mothers. Because the mother is always kind of there. I hate to put it that way, but in in a general sense, normally, she is there, she is caring for, she is taking care of. Those first few developmental years, although it's gotten better, men are still pretty much, tell me what to do. I don't know what to do with this thing. Tell me to do it and I'll do it. But as the kids get older, both male and female have to separate from the mother and enter into the Father's world to a certain extent. Guide me into the world. Show me where to go. And fathers set the mark for their children to aim at. That's why he's saying, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. As much as we need the nurturing care and the community development that women bring and give us, 
fathers set the mark for their children to aim at. So, if you're setting a mark of of sports, they're going to aim for that mark. If you set the mark for working on cars, they're going to aim for that mark. If you set the mark for following Jesus Christ and believing in Him, they're going to aim for that mark. But fathers set the mark for their children to aim at. And I think it has to do with that singular focus. You know, you, you, you get a guy and, and if he's about fishing, boy howdy, is he about fishing, right? And, and if he's about uh, working out, is going to be a lot. I, I, generally speaking, most people, most men are very singularly focused. We're into a few things, but when we're doing those things, and maybe you could be into a lot of things, you could be a, a jack of all trades, but when you're doing that thing, you're focused on it. And that's the need, is that, that focus. So fathers set the mark for their children to aim at. More so than, you know, mothers can encourage, they can guide, they can direct, they can... But you learn about the world in a big way from the fathers in your life. And so that's why he's saying, you know, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Make sure you're, you're guiding them in the right way to Titus. In verse 2, he has... For us, you know, as we go this direction, older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Those those first three words to be temperate, dignified, and sensible. And then, of course, in verse six, you get uh, for the younger men to be sensible as well. These words especially temperate and sensible, they are very similar to one another. To be temperate means to be sober or self-restrained, to be vigilant, to be focused in your mind. That, you know, sober, obviously we use sober to mean uh, not drunk, but it has more to do with it than that. It's got to be to be focused, to be self-restrained and vigilant and, 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 and aware of what's going on around you. That word sensible... It means to be of a sound mind or self-controlled, self-disciplined even. And so temperate and, and, and sensible, they really are very close in idea. That to, 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 to be thinking straight, to be self-controlled and self-restrained. And, and as you think about it, one of the things that we need to work on as men in life, if we're going to be setting the, the target, the, the mark for children to aim at, if we're going to be making ourselves focused on something, we need to be disciplined in that. That men need to discipline themselves. That's what he's saying here, that we need to be temperate, sensible. That men need to discipline themselves. In their lives. I think of, of uh, you know, obviously I, I lack a little discipline in certain ways. But William, he can very easily discipline himself. He, he gets to thinking about workouts that he wants to do. He starts studying up on it, and he devotes the time to it. 
he decides he's going to work on some model painting and stuff like that, it is all in. Disciplined. One of the struggles we have in this world today is while we're saying men can't, you know, we don't need men to be uh, able to do violence and we don't need them to chart a path or a way forward. We don't want to follow them because they're, they're idiots anyway as far as our culture thinks of men. On the other half of it, we're saying, and be undisciplined all you want. It's wrong to tell somebody to, to shape themselves up. No, whatever feels good, do it. Our culture today believes that the greatest sin is to not be true to yourself. That whatever makes you feel good is good. And so in the, in the time when we say we don't want them to set the mark, we're also saying, and we don't want you to discipline yourselves either. But yet what we see in verse 2 and then also in verse 6, young men to be sensible. That's what he starts with. Let the young men be sensible. Why is it? Why does he want them to be self-controlled, self-disciplined? Because, because we need to discipline ourselves. So men need to discipline themselves so that we go in the right direction, that, that we can guide. You know, you, you, you think of um, if, you, if you're following somebody, you, you, you follow them the way they're going. But if you're, if you're the one that's leading, you've got nobody else to keep you on track right? You have nobody else to guide you in the way. You have to do it yourself. And so men need to discipline themselves and focus themselves in the right way. And that's what he's encouraging the older men and the young men to do there. But as we, as we, as we try to discipline, to choose what to focus on, I think, is the important thing. You can be, you can be disciplined in all sorts of terrible things. You can, you can focus on and discipline yourself to do something that is unhealthy, or that wastes your time and your energy throughout. Notice there in verse 2, dignified, sensible, and then what does he say? Sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. To be sound means to be healthy, to be right, to be pure. So to be sound to be healthy and right and pure in these three things, to be sound in faith, in love, and in perseverance. And that, that sounds so similar to 1 Corinthians 13, right? The, you know, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I could say that hope and perseverance kind of go together, and you can see a little bit similarity there. That they would have a, a right and a pure faith in Jesus Christ a belief in Him and a belief in following Him. Love, that word is agape in, in the Greek, and it's the love that has the sense of being uh, meritless. You don't earn that love. You didn't do something so that, you know, when, when somebody loves you with agape love, you haven't done something to earn their love. You're not, they don't love you just because you're good looks or because you're such a fun person to be around. They love you in spite of more often than because of. It is, it is grace. It is a love that elevates the other person. And then finally, this idea of perseverance. The word perseverance means patient enduring. 
to continue to hold on. I, I kind of think of it to, as keeping on, keeping on. And surely that's what we need if we're going to keep our focus in the right place. We don't want to be like Peter who, as he's walking out on the water, sees the waves and is distracted from his goal, which is Jesus. His focus was on Jesus, but the waves became too much and he became looking and he sank. Even as the waves come up, we have to keep on to, to endure patiently. And that's what he's saying, to be sound in faith and in love and in perseverance, to have a, a healthy perseverance. Be, because sometimes things look bad. Sometimes things look bad all around us and, and we can get distracted by it. We can, we can start focusing on all those things. This is one reason I had a, a professor in, in seminary and he said, he said this was his one reason why he felt that men, uh, men needed to be elders over women. He was a Presbyterian. They had an elder-led church. And he said because men will focus on one thing. And sometimes you've got to get your focus on that one thing and hold on. No matter what else is going on, you just got to focus on it. And, and he pointed to Eve and Adam, and he said, you know, Eve was thinking about a lot of things. She was thinking about the tree. She was thinking about what the serpent was saying. She was thinking about the fruit, and she was thinking about maybe God was wrong, or, or maybe he lied, that he was keeping something, because that's what the serpent was saying. And she, she's thinking about all these different things. He said, we don't get any indication that Adam was thinking about anything except, oh, Eve ate the apple. I better eat it too. You know? And he, he said, I, I never really thought it was the greatest because it's kind of a negative example, you know? But his point was, men will focus on just that one thing. And sometimes you've got to be able to focus on that one thing even as there are struggles around you. You've got to hold on and keep on. And that's what that, that perseverance means. And so if we think about what kind of a mark do we want to set for a future generation? What kind of a mark do you want to set for children to aim at? Well, I don't think there is... I, I would say there is nothing greater at which to aim than an enduring faith. One that has that perseverance, that sound and perseverance. You get it right without... You, you got it before the... Yeah, good job, good job. You get it... Isn't it fun when you, you already knew what the word was before you have to fill in the line? It's an enduring faith. And that is something to discipline ourselves for. To, 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 to discipline our lives into faith. Because as, as Paul talks about here in the New Testament, I'm, I'm going to not say here because it's in the next exact part, uh, but... Paul talks about how, you know, some people, they, they, they think that there's gain to be made by godliness, as in financial gain. And then he says, but there is actually great gain to be gained by godliness. And when you think about it, what greater thing is there to focus your life on than, than, than God, than the service of Jesus Christ and believing in him and, and developing an enduring faith and passing that on? Be, because athletics and sports, they will not last Careers and jobs, they will not last. Hobbies, they will go away someday. But Jesus Christ will never leave. Faith in Him is something you can do no matter what state you physically get into. 
So if we're going to discipline ourselves to, to help our children to aim for a mark, may it be a mark of enduring faith. I was raised by uh, an Air Force pilot. Every three to four years, we moved. When I was in seminary, I got the job of being the facilities administrator. Administrator. Which to me sounds like a desk job. But through a crazy sort of experiences, I kind of became the facility guy, if you can believe that. And at one point, uh, my boss left and we got a new person in her position and there was a problem with one of the sinks and I, as the facility guy, was supposed to fix it. And I just told this new boss, I said, look, I've got no clue how to fix that. I've never done that kind of stuff before in my life. And so he went in there to show me, and as he was showing me, he started running my dad down because my dad hadn't shown me how to fix a sink. I took some exception to that. You know, we moved every three years. Not a whole lot of sinks in the places we were staying in needed to be fixed because they were usually checked out before we moved in, and they were checked out after we moved out. He worked very hard in leading men and women in the Air Force. Very hard. We ate dinner at 7 p.m. because my mom wanted us to eat as a family. And that was when he got home. I learned a lot about how to fly and, and a lot about aerodynamics and different things. Not that it did me a whole lot of good. But I learned about it. I learned about leading and I learned about the military. And I learned about Jesus. Even if I didn't start following him until I was in college, after I'd left home, I learned an awful lot about faith growing up. But I didn't learn a whole lot about home repair. And as he was running down my dad, I thought, you know, I think I got the better deal. How terrible it would have been had I learned all about home repair and not about Jesus Christ. How, how terrible it would have been if I had learned all about fixing a car, but not about the need to fix my heart. How terrible it would have been if I had learned all about Major League Baseball and who had the home, most home runs in 1987 and who was a Cy Young Award winner in 1985. Does any of that really matter? Some dads, that's all they're teaching their kids. I was blessed to have a dad that taught me about Jesus. I think I won out. He gave me something to aim at. An enduring faith. Even when I didn't understand what it was. And I want to encourage us today. For those of you who are men here who have people underneath you, whether they be your children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you still have the opportunity to give them something to shoot at, to aim at. A target, a mark of enduring faith. But for us as a church, as a community, as, as a people together, I hope we would encourage and support and, and call one another to that we would see men 
and fathers. Pointing which direction to go. Let's follow Jesus. Let's discipline ourselves that we might follow Him. Let's endure the difficulties and the trials. Let us show one another love, agape love, not just filial love. And let's model faith that endures. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for today and and we thank You for our fathers. We recognize that no father is a perfect example of who You are. That we all fail, we all fall short. Maybe our fathers fell short and You had to send other people into our lives to make up for it. Father, we thank You for the work that You've done through our earthly fathers, through adoptive fathers, through men who come into our lives who operate as fathers for us to teach us and to show us. We pray, Lord, that You would help us to keep our focus on You. That we would live for You, Lord, and discipline ourselves in life that we might be self-controlled and restrained to speak things that lead to sound doctrine, sound faith. Lord, help us to endure, to persevere through trials and through tribulations, to model a faith that lasts. And we pray, Lord, we pray that the children in our lives, whether they be grown and have their own children, or if they're still coming up, Lord, that they would see and that they would follow our example. We pray, Lord, that You would help us to encourage the men in our lives to set that example. We pray for Your grace and Your guidance as we reflect on Your love for us. In Jesus' name, Amen.